Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, welcome back to Mandy and the F-Bomb. This is part two of Kimberly Millington interviewing me. And she said, then that's that's it. That's what I want to do. I want this baby to be with its sister. So the assumption was not that baby was going to be with us. We just knew what what how things typically go with the state. So we knew we were preparing. Like when when and if we get the call, what do we say? Um, so it was important to, I was so relieved that I found her, um, cause I got to have that talk with her and she changed her plan. Um, and so we started preparing, what do we need to do? Who do we need to talk to, to make sure this goes smoothly, but it didn't really go smoothly. And so that was, that was a little bit, like I said, we've kind of gotten used to living in like complex places so you got the call right Mm -hmm. and they told you you had the option no actually um I guess I shouldn't say yes we got the call because we didn't get the call what happened was (coughs) um like I said mom's she's our family and she doesn't have a ton of people she can count on so CBS didn't call us mom called us and I was, she had a, a few false labors, but she called me every single time. And I was in Austin with her every single time at the hospital. And I got to be there when, I will say our, because that's what she would <laughs> say too, when our daughter was born and um, help her through labor and cut her cord and watch her take her first breath. And um, I can't tell you again, just that gratitude and honor it is to have been trusted in that space with her knowing that baby is very likely going home with me and still allowing me to be there want not even allowing she called me she wanted me there and trusting me in such a vulnerable space she just floors me yeah I I want I do want people who listen to your podcast to understand um just something really special about your character is that there is no distance that you will not travel for the people that are yours. Mm. Because you said, I mean, you didn't, you weren't living in Austin. We're not super close to Austin. I mean, it's a trek, but every time you were there and you went looking for her there and you have done visitation with kiddos there um, with case management. And, and so I, 
that's where you go over and over again so that your kiddos can continue to have a relationship with with her because that's important to you. And so I just, I, I think that it's incredible that there's just no distance that you won't travel for the people that belong to you. And so I, I think that, that your family is really, really blessed for that. So you're in Waco. Mm-hmm. You've got now two kids that have adoptions have gone through. Um, when baby seven com- came home? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So that's where it gets complicated was because we were still a licensed foster home. And so there are there are rules that you have to adhere to, policies, whenever you're a licensed foster home. And so because we were a licensed foster home, um, there were so many hoops that ended up we needed to jump through because though the law had passed and was supposed to be in effect, that doesn't necessarily mean the policy had changed. And so we found that out a little bit too late. And so baby actually went home with another family for four weeks. And let me tell you, having to call her mama after she had handed me her baby in the hospital, we're both sobbing, and she, I was sobbing, going, this is so hard, I'm so proud of you, I'm so sorry. And she was going, it's okay, it's okay. This is for the best. It's okay. And having to call her and say, I can't bring her home. She's going with strangers that you don't know. Like, straight from the hospital. Straight from the hospital. Like, it. For me, it was like one of the hardest conversations ever. And for her, she was like super gracious and wonderful and just amazing. But it was so hard. I felt such a responsibility. I remember that night, like, just leaving the hospital, feeling like I let her down, sad, and going home. And I walked in my house, and Mike and it was late, so only the, the three bigger kids were awake. But they were on our bed just laughing and laughing. And I remember walking into our home and hearing their laughter and walking into our room, coming from a place of, like, such brokenness and walking in and seeing the laughter and the love and the safety in our home and just thinking, oh, my gosh, this is so unfair. And they saw me, and my big kids are so good. They saw me and just made a space for me, and I just lay down and just cried. And they just covered me up. It was a hard day. It was a hard day. Um, harder for her, I think, for sure. Yeah, I've heard over and over again beautiful stories about your oldest kiddos um, and uh, just the way that they support you guys in, in this journey and are a part of it, and they're so in it, and they create mm-hmm. space for you, and they create space for them, and um, it's just... Oh, my God. So, you said four weeks. So, four weeks. And then what? So, what happened was we had to create a plan. They called it a 24-hour plan because, basically, we had to um, function like a group home. And in Texas, group homes were 
being phased out. So we had to get like special permissions and a whole bunch of stuff had to happen. And so what happens whenever you're group home, you're basically like a, a, you're a facility. Your home is now a facility. So even though nothing really changed, we were just bringing home another baby. Um, we had to have staff basically that would be like shifts and someone awake 24 seven. Mm-hmm. And so we enlisted, you know, our friends and our family, um, babysitters, stuff like that. And they didn't have to do anything. They, most of the time, like they didn't even see anybody because we would, the shift was like from about midnight to four or five in the morning when my husband would wake up for work, um, they would go home. So that it was like that for about a year. Um, and we had to have people there because, um, part of that and part of like the only reason, not the only, but one of the the reasons why they would, the state would allow us to do that is because, um, people would come, they would come like and do random checks and stuff. So we never knew, like, was someone going to show up in the middle of the night? And because our, basically not only did we obviously want to do the right thing, but like if we didn't, we were endangering the adoptions of all of our children. So what's interesting is that now, so we had seven children and eventually got the call for our youngest, and we didn't have to jump through any of those hoops because we're not a licensed foster family anymore. Right. And so we're just a a kinship family. A kinship placement. Mm -hmm. And you guys are considered kinship because of the relationship to – um, the the other siblings. Is yeah, that, that's right. Okay, so we're viewed as biological family. Okay, and how does that change placement? I mean, how does that change support in placement? I mean, yeah, what changes so in your kinship versus? Because this is the is this the only kinship placement that you guys yes. did? Okay, yes, it is. Um, so what what changes is that, and I will just I already knew this before because, um, through my work with our nonprofit. Um, I, I work with kinship families, but I've never been kind of on this side. So whenever you foster, the state gives you a stipend, gives the child a stipend um, to help with care. And so this money can go towards anything that would help care for the child. So clothes and diapers and food and um, if you need help paying bills or want to put them in dance or something like this, but it's it's for the child. And what happens is that kinship families are given about half of the stipend, which I have big feelings about because, like, thankfully we are super blessed and um, my husband has um, a great job and we are not hurting financially. But typically what happens is that children are removed from an unsafe environment typically with from their parents and placed with a kinship caregiver so sometimes this is grandma or an aunt or a cousin or but a kinship family member who is safe and appropriate which is wonderful but a lot of times these kinship family members are at the same kind of socioeconomic spot as the family that they were removed from So now we've got a very safe and appropriate family member, and we want to keep kids with family. That's where they belong. But grandma, for instance, has maybe a part-time job and is living off of that in her SSI money. Now she's got four of her grandkids living with her 
All as kinship placements. As kinship getting placements. Half getting half the amount. And she needs clothes for them and school supplies and beds and mattresses. What if she needs a car seat? What There's so much. And so I, I just have big feelings about kinship families. It's, it's a little bit, it, again, it just kind of butts up against each other because on the one hand we want kids to stay with family, but we're not going to make it super easy for them to care for kids by giving them the same amount and anyway there's a whole like there's I, I'm the reasoning I think is like to be very simple about it is that foster homes they are licensed so they go through all of these things and they I just feel like like if we want to keep kids together like let's support kinship families a little bit better and so um foster village Waco does that mm-hmm. foster village Waco shows up for kinship families with those specific needs like mm-hmm. you just mentioned mm-hmm. how right. do they do that so um look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all-new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier starting the chat better and dating safer they've changed so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I guess I haven't spoken a lot about Foster Village Waco. Um, So it's an organization that comes alongside families who are involved in the McLennan County child welfare system. Um, to show them that they're not alone. And so three pillars of support are to equip, connect, and advocate. So the way we equip families is through our Welcome Pack program. So whenever a child is placed in um, McLennan County, um, their caregiver, so kinship or foster or reunifying families, and I'm so behind it, so behind it, um, they get to reach out to Foster Village Waco and fill out a form and one of our volunteers will go to our care closet and build a welcome pack, which is seven to ten days worth of clothes, brand new socks, underwear, PJs, hygiene items, toys, and books, and um, get it to that family within 24 hours of request um, on a case-by-case basis. And this would be more for kinship families um, typically is we will do beds, bunk beds, mattresses, all brand new, um, car seats, strollers, pack and place, things like that. And F- Foster Village Waco is on Facebook and all the social medias and things like that. But yep. if somebody is hearing your story, but they that's not where the space that they can be in. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, you know, like at some point I'm hoping that that's where we land, but mm-hmm. that's not where we are right now in our life. And so what we've chosen to do is come alongside Foster Village in a different way mm-hmm. um, and 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 support Foster Village Waco so that you guys can show support to those families who yeah. are doing something that we are not in a season mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And so how do people support 
the work that you do because that is the work that you do like to and so your kids do and your husband like and your team like you have incredible people working do. to do this so and i guess this is as a caveat y'all um so this podcast exists separately from Foster Village Waco and i'm happy to talk about it on an episode like this but um we very purposefully did it separate than Foster Village Waco because I want to make sure that the stories that we're getting out and the information about foster care and this kind of um, lifting of the veil of like the unknown um, whenever it comes to foster care can reach people that aren't just local to Texas or local to Waco. Um, in all likelihood, you probably, if you're listening, have an organization in your area that in some way supports families involved in foster care. Um, so... I, I'm happy to talk about Foster Village Waco with that kind of caveat thrown in there. Um, so I want to say also, like I spoke on the equip pillar, we also connect and I would say that our equip pillar is wonderful and I'm so grateful that we get to equip families in that way and allow them to focus a little bit more on relationship building rather than resource gathering those first like critical days of placement. Right. But I would say that it's the connect pillar that is, I think, just incredible because what happens is we've got families that don't feel supported, and whenever they don't feel supported, they get burnt out. It is real hard to keep doing what you're doing if you think that nobody sees you. Nobody's acknowledging that what you're doing is a hard thing. Nobody's there to help you out. And so we also do monthly support gatherings where we provide free child care and meals Um will entertain kiddos so that parents can have a break for a minute and get to sit across the table from people who get exactly where they are. So we will do that, um, parents' night out events, um, other kind of play date things so that this community can connect to one another. And I would say the last pillar is advocacy. And in, in my own way, even though this is not connected necessarily to Foster Village Waco, that's exactly what I'm doing is we need to make sure that we are getting real stories um, in front of people who maybe want to support foster care but don't know how or think that it is something it's not. And I really think that this making it something that is not an unknown is a tool that will help more children land in families that would be um, stable, sustained placements and can offer some permanency so so you were brave enough to walk in here without having any idea what I was going to ask you <laughs> just uh wanted you to be able to talk trust. about this I know talk about this story but um the 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 thing is this podcast is separate from Foster Village Waco but you are not and so this this is about you and your chance to tell your story and how you're connected and what I I hope that people hear is that she has um, she has a story connected to foster care, and um, there are support gatherings, whether it's uh, here in Waco or anywhere around the country, that, that there's lots of different organizations, and that there are going to be people just like, just like you who are going to be at those support gatherings and, and people that, that they can share their story with, people that, that have mm -hmm. walked through it, you mm -hmm. know? And so if somebody is wanting to 
participate in maybe just even the advocacy piece. Like Mm -hmm. I know you have met with lots of different people in this community uh, to let them know what you're doing in the work that, that you're doing. But who do you recommend? Can you, if somebody's in, you know, North Carolina, who do they, who do they start with? Where do well, they go? Actually, there's a foster there's village a foster affiliate <laughs> in North Carolina. Um, so if you're looking for something specifically like Foster Village Waco, we are actually an affiliate of a larger um, piece, um, Foster Village Inc., that was started by a good friend of mine named Crystal. Um, Crystal saw that there were some gaps um, between community and resources whenever it came to foster care. And so she decided to create a nonprofit to fill those gaps. So um, there's Foster Village, Inc., there's Foster Village, Austin, Waco, Dallas, North Texas, Houston, Baton Rouge, Charlotte, Memphis. Y'all, I'm probably missing some. But um, the way it works for us is that we use um, their branding and their model. And Crystal has done such a great job creating a really a village of support for our affiliates um, that we are really there for each other. So um, we kind of bounce things off of each other and help each other with graphics and kind of marketing types things and ideas. Um, So I would say, obviously, I am 100% behind Foster Village. um, So I would look and see kind of where, if you're close to one, I would definitely get involved. But there are also things like, for instance, in East Tennessee, there's a place called the Isaiah 117 House. And what they do is they um, help kiddos that are involved in what we would call CWAP care, and that means child without placement. So whenever there are not enough homes for children and um, CPS is having a hard time finding a place because there are no beds open, um, children are in CWAP care. And this is whenever you hear the stories of, like, kids sleeping in offices and and stuff like that. So um, – the Isaiah 117 house, that is their gap that they're filling is that they are a home-like environment um, that is a very short term um, and they're not staffed. It's not a shelter in that way where, but the the caseworkers can be there with the children um, kind of while they're working on placement. I think the idea behind that, and I'm not a part of that organization, but I really support what they're doing. But I think the thought behind that is we're going to allow the caseworkers some time and some peace so they can work on finding the right placement for this child rather than, oh, no, I have to get them somewhere so it's going to be a shelter or even a detention center or something like that. So um, fortunately, we've got the Isaiah 117 house coming to Waco, and that is going to be huge for for the Waco community. But there are organizations like like these all over the country and so I would just encourage you to ask Mr. Google that's right um, nonprofit you know, foster care nonprofit or something like that near me and get involved if you want to be and if they are deeply passionate about this and and all of the things that you're talking about um, really resound with them is crystal somebody that they could reach out to if they don't have one in their area so um, there's a, an affiliate program right um, so that would be on Foster Village Inc.'s website, and I would just explore that affiliate program. Fantastic. So at the end of the day, you, you're doing foster care work, and I, I know that like just 
it, it doesn't end. It's 24-7, you know. I mean, we've talked at 3 in the morning and, and you know, 2 in the afternoon. It doesn't, it does not. I'm so grateful whenever you're up like me at 3 in the morning and I'm like, can you please look at this graphic? Or can you please look at this web page and see yes. it's okay? Yes, I am awake at 3 in the morning. It's when I do my best work. Like, Amen, nobody sister. needs me at, like, 3 in the morning except you, you know, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I like my phone. I don't even put it on Do Not Disturb just in case you need me to Sorry. look at something. No, it's fine. Andy's calling again. But the the thing is, like, at the end of the night, you know, you've gone home, you've talked to people all day, you've done foster village stuff all day, and then you go home to to a home with eight kiddos and Mike and maybe Meg's there and Meg's kiddos and your village is there. Mm -hmm. So tell me just, tell me a little bit about your village and what it's like today. Amazing. Um. That's something that I can say is true every single second is I love my life. I love my life. I'm so grateful for my life. And there are things that I've walked through that are hard and things that I'm currently walking through that are hard. But I try to live in a space of gratitude. And um, not idealistic gratitude. Let's not move past the things that are hard but there's never been a time that I haven't that I've walked through something where I haven't ended up okay and so I've learned that it doesn't make things less hard if you just focus on them so Mm. you've got to just for me at least hold on to the gratitude and choose joy I think joy is so different from happiness and happiness is like circumstantial you can feel happy but to choose joy choose to find the joy I think that is something an intentional choice that you can make and it's not necessarily a feeling but an attitude so for me I love my life and I love our little now bigger (laughs) but a little ranch house and I love my family that I I never thought that I would have eight kids like genuinely I was like "Ooh, we have two like we're good (laughs) um so this is not how I pictured my life because you got like a boy and a girl to start with right like you had like one of each and one of each two kids like I'm good yeah okay yep so not how I pictured my life at all um certainly didn't think I'd be running a nonprofit. certainly did not think that I would have a podcast um this I'm so grateful for these things that I never thought would happen that did So, again, I love my house, and I love that my dad is there, and I love that we have this beautiful family, and it sounds silly, but even, like, this giant pecan tree, like, in our front yard, and I love our derpy dog, Hank, and everything about it, everything about it. So, my, I would say that my life is a gift. It's such a gift, and so um, my village at home are they're my comfort. They're my the best people I know. Like I always think it's interesting whenever people are like, "Oh, my kids like." Ugh. And don't get me wrong, like I've got some kids that are hard to handle sometimes cuz, you know, personalities, like hard sometimes. But my kids are my favorite people. Like this big kid thing, don't get me wrong, like the little kids like it's rough sometimes. It's rough sometimes. Right. But this big kid thing is my jam. Isn't it amazing? I love it. Oh my gosh. I love it. And my big kids are like my favorite people. Yep. 
I love hanging out with them. And so it doesn't it doesn't feel like work to go home and spend time with my kids because I miss them every day. I'm not the mom that's like, oh, I can't wait for school to start. Like I don't get me wrong. It's nice to like have some structure, but I love having my kids home. I miss them whenever they're gone. And so I, I just I love my life. That's that's what I would say. My my village is amazing. And and you carry a contentment with you that's just incredible. Yeah. We probably we're we're wrapping nice? up. We need like four minutes, maybe. Yep. Oh, eleven eleven. Okay. Okay. So your contentment is amazing. And I think that it's something that you work really hard to to hold on to. And I think that you have an incredible village around you that is participating in that. When you started foster care, um, your oldest was 10. Is that right? Around 10. Mm -hmm. And uh, how old is he now? He's 15. Okay. So you guys have been doing this a little while. Yep. And um, you not, not only are you walking this journey, you are walking out support for other people who are on this journey. Um, and so I just want you to know that I'm grateful that you're in this community, that you're doing this work here. The work that you're doing is really, really important, and, and it's necessary. You know, I mean, I talked a little bit about my sister having kids in foster care and adopting from that, and, and so you were gracious to walk with me as I was trying to understand that process. And so I just i am super grateful that you're in this, in this community and that you're doing this work in Waco. So thank you for telling your story. It's beautiful, and I know there's so many bits of the story left to be told as you're engaging with other people and hearing theirs and how you connect with them, but but thanks for telling the story today. Thanks for letting me ask you questions. Oh, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> All right, Mike. I think we're good. <laughs>